What's up, everybody? Welcome to Building Our Power. This is Gabby. And KD. And we're back with another episode. Thank you guys for checking out our last one entitled Black Poor Versus Everybody. You can hit us up at Building Our PWR on all social media channels. Hit KT up at KT Does Art. Hit me up at Gabby's Music. Uh, remember, guys, if you would like to donate to what we got going on, our uh, propagandizing, educating the community, as well as feeding the community, you can hit the link in our description. We actually created our own little designs. Yeah. I came up with the words, and KT designed everything. It's really cute. We're going to post it on our social media so you can check it out. And, of course, you know, we you got to stock the fridge. Um, actually, the thing about it now is, like, there's such a need that we literally put stuff in the fridge, and, like, a couple hours later, everything is gone. So, uh, if you would like to help us with that, you surely can. Link in the description, like I said. All right. Our first topic, our main topic today, is going to be about capitalism, the nuclear family, homophobia, what what misogyny? How are all of these things intertwined? And what does it mean for us as as we navigate life now in 2021 as anti-capitalists, as communists, as anarchists, as leftists? Mm-hmm. Okay, so KT, do you want to talk a little bit about the history of uh, this nuclear family uh, in America or in capitalism in general? Yeah, so um, the nuclear family is essentially the Eurocentric American way of how a family should be structured. So you've got the middle class white man who works. You've got the middle class white woman who takes care of the kids. uh, And you've got two children and a van and they're Christians. Essentially, what we want to do is we want to tie the nuclear family to capitalism and how uh, it affects us now. So let's take it back. In colonial America, colonial uh, United States, you basically have a system in which most people are producing what they consume. So instead of them going out and buying the things that they need to survive, they're essentially producing it. Or, you know, they're sharecroppers. They're uh, making food for themselves so that they can eat. Because of this, it becomes integral, the most important part for them to continue to reproduce over and over and over. Because they need people who are going to work for them in order for them to survive. Yeah, so like I said, this was uh, a European type of situation. Obviously, uh, this was for white Americans not within slavery. Indeed, obviously in slavery, there was no autonomy and everything was commodified. So, I mean, it was you didn't have a choice. So we're not even going to uh, talk about that as a form of some type of autonomy. But we can say how, you know, post-slavery, uh, while black people were in sharecropping uh, type of economic and uh, employment situations, it was also beneficial for them to have as many kids as possible to help with said work and, you know, help... Um, 
grow enough food for themselves and to pay back the 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 landlord and all that stuff so for survival for survival but also it wasn't specifically like a nuclear family or anything because obviously there was a communal living you know with maybe the grandmama the grandpa or somebody living with them or who else and i think that is a direct result of uh extreme poverty uh when you have less money and uh, you just trying to survive. It's in your best interest to uh, coalesce around people and to work together and to help meet each other's needs. So, yeah, it definitely was a little bit different. Okay, so in both of these systems, though, like, marriage was about survival, was about living. It wasn't necessarily about love. It wasn't necessarily about emotional connections. It was about... Yeah, we got to eat, so we need to team together and have a family so that we can survive in this in this environment. Right. So that's what it was. Uh, what shifted for white people was, uh, with, as we move on to the 19th century, to the Industrial Age, where um, we America moves to a more uh, capitalist form of production, and people start working for wages. With this... Uh, you know, men are doing most of the work. Women are doing a lot of the work at home, cooking, uh, taking care of the kids. But because people weren't working like the land physically in order to eat, all men had to do was go to jobs and get money to eat. Uh, the need to have a reproductive family unit was not as necessary for white males and because of this this was the demographic that was first in uh that was first able to be able to live out same-sex attractions in same-sex relationships because of this but we'll we'll go to that uh, in a second so one thing i wanted to talk about is in this nuclear family structure because around this time uh the families are getting a little bit smaller is that the nuclear family still had a very specific role in capitalism. And that was, as I like to call it, uh, it made men a cook for capitalism. Because by having a wife and by having the kids, having responsibility, a man is less likely to uh, go from job to job, less likely to take risks on the job, less likely to upset anybody on the job for fear of losing the job, less likely to strike. You know what I'm saying? It, it, with more responsibilities, that that makes men more... Um, more forced to fall in line with whatever capitalism told them, whatever wages they could accept, whatever treatment they could get. So basically capitalism says, okay, well, uh, we know that you're not working anymore in the field and you're working at these jobs, so we're going to give you literal no kind of wages, okay, and you're going to be forced to care, to to be in that because you have to care for your family. Yeah. So in it was in the capitalist best interest that this nuclear family existed yeah essentially is what you're saying yeah. and, and when you think about the suburbs like having mortgages with houses uh being separated from your family like you ha- you couldn't take any risk you just had right. to work and and work for however many years make a quote-unquote decent living and then collect your social security at the end of it like that 
that's really what it did for the white male. I'll say that for the white male family. Okay, around this time, though, what were the white middle class wives doing, KT? Yeah, so um, white middle class wives were basically being taken care of. Uh, They were literally at the house all day long doing practically nothing. This is this would be if they were, you know, they had labor, specifically black women, who were doing labor for them within the house, taking care of their kids, doing dishes, uh, cooking food, things along those lines. White women just basically got to live at the top of their lives outside of sexual liberation and uh, financial freedom as well. So, white women, what were they worried about during that time? I think this is when, like, the first wave feminism was starting to happen and things like that. And white women were basically worried about the right to vote or getting an abortion. Right. So, white women were no longer working for survival. It was more about uh, autonomy and power uh, and eventually assimilating to the capitalist system. In uh, in juxtaposed to that you have black women who were taking care of the children of these white women and also had to take care of their own children and but had the overarching goal of survival like they had to work in order to survive and also the community was depending on them to provide that monetary work and also emotional labor for the community. So, therefore, it was definitely two different fights. And that's one of the reasons why uh, white feminism and black feminism will always clash because it's, it's a whole nother ball game. All right, so as you can see now, though... That whole nuclear family thing, it's its kind of uh, starting to fade out. And, you know, even in media and representation, like, you see all different types of family structures now. And, and why is that? Why is that? And the answer is, just like everything we've been talking about, the material conditions of life have continued to allow for the development of different ideological understandings of marriage. No longer is marriage about... Um, Survival. Survival. No longer is marriage about, you know, uh, whatever it was at first. Marriage now (laughs) becomes about love and emotions and picking the right one and soulmates and stuff like that. Because there's no need to necessarily have children for your own survival. And because of that, um, it becomes... And this is because that there there was more money. There was more money being made. White women were being uh, integrated into the labor force. White men were making more money. Therefore, they white women didn't necessarily have to be married to be able to live. And you add that with you know the abortion rights and the birth control pills. The lives of the white folks were totally different. Therefore, it became more acceptable for them to start to pursue relationships that didn't fit nicely into that nuclear family model. Because economically, they could do that. Correct. They could live as quote-unquote homosexuals because there was no threat to the economy because of that. Right, so um, I'm referring back to our last episode. 
But remember when we were talking about those yuppies that had started moving in, the queer yuppies, the artistic yuppies, the black middle class, the white middle class yuppies, that's when they started moving in, right? So all of this ties back into how the family structure was uh, positioned during that time. White people's material conditions were changing. So because of that, they had the option to pursue, like Gabby said, uh, different types of lovers, right? And it wasn't as weird for them to do that anymore. Now, this isn't to say, though, that queer people didn't exist pre-this. It just was... It was more open. It was more of an option for them to do it. Yeah, and and we're reading the article. I'm going to link it. It was talking about how, uh, you know, when black people were sharecroppers, uh, there were more heterosexual relationships. You didn't really hear about, you know, queer relationships. Mm -hmm. But as the Great Migration happened... And black people started to move to the city, started to make a little bit more money. Then you start to hear more about queer relationships, Harlem Renaissance. Apparently, according to that, everybody was gay. So it, it's <laughs> like, it's interesting to think about how economic is tied to or was tied to sexual orientation and gender expression. Um Again, did, again, I want to reiterate, we're not saying that queer people didn't exist. We are queer. We've been queer since the moment we were born. And it had nothing to do with our current, like, our, how much money we made at that time, right? Because we didn't make any freaking money. But with that being said, it's, it, I don't want to say that queer people started popping up. It's that queer people felt, uh, they felt safe enough to come out now. They no longer had to survive as heterosexual people in that family structure. They could now survive as their true selves. Yeah, yeah. Not to say that people was popping up and them like that. But uh, there was that. And, but let's think about this. Let's, th let's get into it. Let's think about conservative Christianity. Okay. Let's think about the, the, the Southern Baptists. Let's think about the Pentecostals, people that are just super, super anti-gay even now let's think about their economic situation majority of them people are poor in the south bum fuck over nowhere in the boondocks no money 20 million kids and they they're uh not saying everybody but a lot of them folks are anti-gay anti-trans so if we tie that to the dialectical materialism we can see at least partly some of the reasons why those homophobic um, ideologies are prevalent in those communities. Because of the material need. They need nuclear family structures in order to survive. Because they ain't got no money. Yep. So you can, I mean, that makes sense as to why they would be anti-gay as far as, like, capitalism goes. But I feel like, and we've talked about this, but I feel like we always say, well, it's got, it's, it's rooted in religion. No, I feel like it's rooted in both capitalism's, like, weird twist it's got with religion and evangelicalism. It's like if capitalism didn't exist, there wouldn't be that uh, material need for them to have that nuclear family structure. And then Christianity, Christianity wouldn't push it. That. Wouldn't yeah. reinforce it, correct. So 
Yeah. yeah, Christianity, Christianity, as far as evangelical Christianity works in tandem, apparently, uh, coincidentally, everything that evangelical Christians say the Bible uh, allows or doesn't allow coincides directly with capitalism for whatever reason. And so I, I also want to tie this into, you know, the, the black community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a stereotype that the black community is just extremely homophobic or whatever. There's been studies that said a lot of it is regional. In the South, coincidentally, it's more black people are more homophobic than black people in the North. And if we think about this historical apparatus of what we just talked about, that's how it was in the 20s, 30s, and 40s because statistically in the North, those people had more money and were able to live... um, Freely. Live freely. They had the economic means to do so. So even when I hear pastors or hoteps or whatever talk about uh, black, the black, or the gay agenda is attacking the black community or destroying the black family. Similar things to what uh, the little white conservatives have. I'm like, okay, they really think there's an agenda, but what are they really saying? They're saying it's a threat to, they think, their economic position, their Mm -hmm. political position in in America. Um, It's not true, but that's what they think. Because for the black community, we know that uh, black males have very low life expectancy. We know we're losing a lot of them to... uh, gun violence to the prison industrial complex and all that stuff. And so I could see why for somebody who wasn't necessarily educated and just looking at their material needs in life, it would seem like anybody that was not promoting uh, heterosexual black relationships that were bringing more black people and more black children into the community, they would view that as a threat. Because you are going against what is needed in the community. What is or need- what you perceive is needed. What you perceive is needed yeah. in the community, which is more black boys, more masculine black boys, more black men. Um, I don't know, we're, we're still figuring it out, but but there's definitely, yeah. it's, it's, it's a correlation there. And because of this, it's allowed me to be a little more sympathetic to uh, people that have these misogynist, homophobic. Not me, fuck them. But I mean, not not necessarily saying like uh, I forgive you or nothing like that. But I can see how in capitalism, how capitalism has brainwashed them into thinking this way. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely. I want y'all to know, like we we always talk about this, but. Whenever Gabby and I start to research a topic, we think we know stuff, and then we start coming up with theories on top of that, on top of theories, on top of theories, and so we get down this rabbit hole where we kind of, we want your perspective on it, okay? Because we can come up with theories all day long about uh, what we think is happening, or what we've read is happening, or what our lived experience tells us is happening, but, yeah, it's still a theory. It's still something that is a work in progress like everything else. And 
we would like your your perspective on it too. For sure. So now now that we know this information, what is the solution? If you ask me, gender needs to be abolished. Abolish it. Gender needs to be abolished. Um, everybody needs to be polyamorous. Everybody needs to be queer. But <laughs> the thing about it is, of course, if we get rid of capitalism tomorrow, homophobia would not leave. No. <laughs> I mean, that's not, misogyny would not leave. We have to, we have to educate and try to deconstruct that just like all these other structures, just like uh, racism, just like ableism. We have to deconstruct this and fight against this as we're fighting against capitalism as well. So that when capitalism is abolished and we have this new system and way of life that we want, we won't be dealing with the same type of hierarchies. Because that's really what this all boils down to. When you get down there to the nitty gritty, this is all about how capitalism reinforces hierarchy the nuclear family is one big old hierarchy correct you see them little facebook posts with the umbrella that says jesus on top the father on the bottom the mother then the children it's one big old hierarchical structure and i feel one way that we can we can start to combat this thinking of of racism of classism of homophobia and transphobia is to get people to think in non-hierarchical ways like one of the biggest mind fucks you can do is and one of the reasons people get so up in arms about it is when you say that a child in a family should have rights and a yeah. child should have a say that gets everybody up in the rules because this is the person that's the lowest of the low in the nuclear family structure. If if people can understand, if people can start to understand that, they can start to understand, wait, why do I think that a woman should be subservient to a man? They sh- Everybody should be working together. So having people start to think communally uh, and non-hierarchically, I feel can be a good step in helping people start to uh, think about these structures of oppression. But that's just a hypothesis. Uh, Obviously, there are other ways or other types of systems that you can possibly uh, discuss with people about. Maybe hierarchy in the jobs and the workforce, hierarchy... Yeah, in organizations and stuff like that. This is this has really just been like a kind of a theorizing episode, but we did want to talk about that whole nuclear family structure because it's always a big topic on Twitter. Why ain't they no nuclear families no more? Y'all ain't trying to keep you know all that type of stuff. So we just wanted to kind of like explain like why capitalism needed that. And why now capitalism doesn't need that no more. Uh, so just let us know what y'all think. Like KT said, if y'all have any more thoughts uh, towards this episode, uh, hit us up uh, in the comments. So you can hit us up on our social medias at Building Our PWR and let us know what you think. Uh, all right, guys, that's the end of our episode. Um, again, if you would like to donate to the propagandizing, the educating we're doing of our community and the feeding of our community, you can hit the link in the description. Um, also hit us up again at building our PWR. Hit KT up at KT does art. Hit me up at uh, Gabby's music and uh, anything else. We're out. And we out.